welcome to Estradile Illusions. We have a very, very special guest today, uh, a guest who has appeared in two documentaries that we have, uh, whose directors we featured on the show. Uh, last year, we had uh, uh, Sam Fader for Disclosure, and then we had the uh, we had Amos, Chase, and Ashling from No Ordinary Man back in I think November. Uh, and uh, you may know her work uh, on I Am Kate, Transparent, uh, a lot of uh, uh, visual art as well. We have the great uh, Zachary Drucker is here to tell talk to us all about a uh, fascinating, really, really, really interesting uh, do new documentary that's coming to HBO, The Lady in the Dale. Uh, Zachary, how are you? Hey, Ian. I'm good, darling. How are you? I'm uh, very well. And before we dive into uh, Lady in the Dale, uh, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention that uh, when I was first uh, starting my transition in 2015, one of the things that I mean, a lot of trans people when they're, uh, you know, when they first make the, the leap and decide that they want to want to transition, uh, sort of you think about how, how your future is going to look and all of that. And this one thing that I really couldn't get over was the fact that I really, I didn't want to change my name. I'd just been starting to establish myself and build a social media following. And just throughout, especially the first couple of years, people kept saying like, this is ridiculous. You can't go around, you can't be a trans woman called Ian Thomas. This doesn't work. Like this is ridiculous. Who, who does that? And oftentimes I would say like, well, Zachary Drucker has done it. Look at the career that she's had. Uh, when we talk a lot about sort of broadly about visibility and representation, it's often kind of in the abstract. And uh, I just wanted to start by thanking you, providing like to me, you know, yeah. your, your 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 visibility and success did have a very positive impact on my life, my transition, my trajectory. So uh, you know, that's visibility that that we can see in process. So thank you. Oh, I'm blushing and also my heart just exploded simultaneously. So I'm having a fully corporeal experience right now. Gratitude for you saying that. That means the world to me. I, you know, when I transitioned many years ago, I felt that to pander to a world um, that would rather us not exist seemed so ludicrous. Like, you know why kind of modify yourself to like conform to this society which would you know has no place for you <laughs> yeah and um you know it just means the world to me that um you were able to see somebody else out there who had done that and been bold and uh unwavering um I mean I think that as trans folks, we are just each so unique in terms of like how we arrive here in this moment. Um, all of the external factors of our lives are so diverse and, and varied and like, um, it's such an a la carte kind of experience. Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it's created some awkward situations, but uh, I mean, when I was getting bottom surgery in 2019 and people, you know, the constant, you know, do you go by another name? And it's like, no. And sometimes I joke, it's people say, like, you go by your own, another name. And I say, like, professionally, I go by by Ian Thomas. And that's even like even kind of worse for a trans woman. But uh, Liz Carmichael is uh, somebody who yes. went by uh, a ton of different names both, oh my god both, both beyond, she, uh, had a list of, she had a list of aliases that was like <laughs> we didn't even include them all in the show because it was you know you know complicated 
What yeah, did you, I, tell me everything. What did you think? Did you watch it? Oh yeah, I've seen. No that. way. I've seen the whole thing now. Uh, it's it's really I I it, 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 I'm really grateful as a critic and uh, a host to you know we we for so long we've we've heard you know the importance of visibility and all of that and that's that's great and all. And this is something we talked a lot of uh, with uh, in a recent episode with uh, Dr. Uh, Inga Winkler about um, her her activism. But the 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 idea of of you know moving the ball forward, we want to tell trans stories. And and Liz is is really just this remarkable trans story of somebody who really kind of felt like they could uh, take on the whole world. And you know, Big Auto. I mean, she, she took on Big Auto. I mean, yeah. Whatever you have to say about her entire, uh, you know, some of the life choices or some of the ways that she chose to conduct business. I mean, yeah. good God, sheer force of nature. I mean, and a full human being. I, I think that, like, to me, this series represents kind of an era when trans folks can be really multidimensional and make mistakes and be imperfect um i think the kind of constraints of the first phase of kind of correcting the history of trans misrepresentation is you know maybe we've kind of done enough 101 kind of yes yes. work to rebuild and it's like to me this project is such a breath of fresh air because liz is uh kind of a complicated character. She's a complicated protagonist, and it's it's not um, a solely affirmational story. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, especially, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Connecticut, uh, in the in Greenwich, Connecticut, the sort of the hedge fund capital of the yeah. world, with all these people. Like the show Billions is uh, sort of satirizes yeah. people that I grew up with. Um, yeah, okay. And they're kind of like I've talked to Asia K. Dillon about this before, but the 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 idea that like those people and the antiheroes, the Walter Whites, the Tony Sopranos, the the uber masculine people, those are all like a really long list of shady guys that that get sort of uh, canonized, and people find them these aspirational types. And then you find somebody like like uh, Liz Carmichael who who really embodies like the type A, the salesperson, like they could sell basically anything. Mm-hmm. And then you know the the House of Cards kind of starts to come down, and all of a sudden it's this this villainy, this how could you, this awful person. You got to think like you know what what's fraud, and then what's you know what's fraud that gets prosecuted, and then what's just you know like an idea that doesn't work out, and and you know what where do we draw these lines, and where do we. Uh, how do people decide like what's you know which one of these people that we decide to go after and I think that uh, you know uh, uh, all sorts of activism with uh, racial justice and and everything has kind of exposed the ways that that prejudice and uh, you know bigotry has really guided a lot of these these uh, prosecutions and whatnot absolutely I mean I think that Liz's story is an allegory to to so many similar tales today um, and that there's this element of entrepreneurial, culture that necessitates overpromising. like you have to pretend that the product is ready to go even when it's still in development um and i think liz was vulnerable to that um you know another thing that i thought of as you were talking was that uh there there was a really coordinated effort to 
find Liz, you know, in her previous life uh, when she was presenting mail. And one thing that didn't make it into the series that I feel compelled to mention <laughs> is that in the FBI files, which, you know, I read, we read like thousands of pages of FBI files, they put so many resources in trying to locate and track down Liz um, and continued to track her wife, Vivian. And at some point in, in and around 1970, the files uh, were, they were continuing to, you know, find Vivian and where she lived. And they even literally said, like, Vivian is living with Elizabeth Carmichael. No further information could be found about Jerry Michael, which is Liz's uh, dead name. And they did not, like, the FBI did not have the imagination to look in. They couldn't find anything about Elizabeth Carmichael. You know, you know not a thing. And it's, it's detailed in there, and they literally just didn't have the imagination to put it together that, you know, Liz Carmichael, who was living with Vivian Michael, was in fact, you know, this convicted felon who'd been on the run this whole time that they were looking for. So it's interesting. I think there was, you know, a lot of resources had gone into trying to find Liz and that that was actually kind of a somewhat um, invisible part of her story was that, you know, they have this kind of vested interest in apprehending her and incarcerating her. Yeah, and uh, the the uh, the amount of footage that you had with uh, uh, detectives who had worked the case, or with uh, lawyers who had who had been uh, uh, on the case, and I I always just just watching them kind of talk about the case and the situation. Um, in a lot of cases, they struck me as like way more compassionate than I was expecting. Like it wasn't a you know like mania you know the stuff that like ted cruz sits on the senate floor like trying to provoke against trans people but like they're they're police on a case and uh you know the 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 circumstances and and as the layers get peeled back and though i mean the way the the documentary is presented also is is uh it's such a remarkable uh like the pacing it's very exciting thrilling uh when each episode ends you're kind of just you don't really want to get up and you just want to you know it's very bingeable and uh this is, a, this is the first time i've heard it but literally i haven't talked to anybody about this series yet you're the first interview i'm doing and <laughs> i'm like you know maybe a few people in my family have seen it because they've looked over my shoulder and you know as we've been in progress but this is a real treat to hear your take on it yeah, I mean, well, what I know we've, uh, I mean, we've had a lot of really great uh, documentaries that are kind of uh, uh, set up that, that way this year, like Tiger King, or um, I wasn't initially covering The Vow, and I uh, had what it had been out for a couple of weeks, and yeah, uh, I loved it. Well, I, I loved it so much that I had to email people at HBO that I knew, and I said like, I'll cover this, but I, I need to see more, like right now, like I, I immediately. Yeah, I finished, <laughs> and I was like, I can't deal with it. I need more of this. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wow, it's really good. I know. I'm from Syracuse, New York, which is like, you know, I watch The Vow Takes Place in Albany, which is another kind of small city in upstate New York. And uh, yeah, I just feel personally kind of invested in any upstate New York story. Yeah. What what is so astonishing about Liz's story? So Liz Liz creates this car company, uh, 20th Century Motors. 
Uh, I'm sure Disney has a lot of things to say about that that concept now, uh, having bought Fox uh, 20th Century. Um, <laughs> they um, they she hired all of these uh, engineers, and they were building a a three wheel car that yeah. um, really just kind of looks like uh, something straight out of the 70s. But uh, it's 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 very it's, Jetsons. It's very yes. like they designed it thinking you know it, it had a futuristic space kind of uh, vibe. Well, it, it's also. I mean, I, I've been really interested in the the when, when when you're talking about like, and you you frame it in the documentary as like this is a you know we're getting all these engineers who had just been on the space age and uh, with the space race and all of that and the U.S. won and I, I've been thinking a lot about how uh, you know there was all that great energy at the end of the '60s for that like wh- where did that go and we saw that a lot with um, there's another documentary that came out this year Spaceship Earth about Biosphere Two we had one of yeah. those. Love biospherians it. uh on the show and i i asked kind of like a similar question of like you know the harvest the you know there, there was a point where in the 60s people probably thought okay we went to the moon mars is next on the horizon in 2020 you know that still hasn't come and all of those sort of great minds you know they were probably looking for like the, the literally like the in terms of their creative juices like their next fix and here comes liz carmichael and she wants she has this beautiful yellow car that's just so retro and so fitting of the era and then you've got like these people who are just so in love with it and even throughout the documentary i mean there's still like the glee on these people who worked on it they there's no victims i mean they don't really come across as like people who were kind of part of a the if not fraud like you know not 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 the greatest situation in the world and yet they're still like looking back on it like wow wasn't this great yeah, I mean, I think they all felt like it really could have happened and had the state not, and Liz's own kind of criminal past caught up to her, that it would have been a, a viable pursuit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, and then, and then too, I also am reminded that, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, that once people have bought in, it's very hard to undo that even decades later, you know, that, that they really did put their hearts and souls as, as one of our subjects, Greg Lee says, into the project. And, you know, once you make compromises and sacrifices in your personal life for something that's, uh, you know, a, a bigger, larger goal, um, sometimes you continue to justify that, you know, because you have to, because you have to live with um, the decisions that you made. I, you know, I'm also reminded like of your last point, just going back to your surprise at how, uh, like, I guess, sensitive some of the subjects were or, or more than you would expect. And it was sitting in the room with, you know, all of these men who had uh, had you know different stakes in tracking Liz down and you know <clears throat> either navigating her through the legal system <laughs> or you know prosecuting her, etc. It was a quick lesson in how people from outside of our community see us. You know, um, it was eye-opening, truly. And a lot of stuff we didn't include, you know, it, it was interesting. It was like, uh, when we were doing the interviews, they would consistently refer to Liz 
as as she, her, and as Liz. And then at the end of interviews, we would usually we would usually save her for the end to ask about how they perceived Liz's gender presentation and gender identity. And the moment that we did, the subject oftentimes got tripped up and would revert to like he, him pronouns or referring to Liz by her dead name, et cetera. And um, I, I don't think any of the subjects, uh, well, there's no way of knowing. I think that many of them didn't read me as trans. Um, and would often say things, you know, very likely that they would not have said if they knew that there was a trans person in the room. Wow. And we, you know, like editing, um, you know, at one point we tried a like transphobia montage where we had all the subjects <laughs> saying like the thing that just was jaw dropping about this. And it didn't, you know, it ultimately was like a creative experiment because I was just like, let's, you know, just air this out and like show the array of, you know, transphobic responses. Um, but we ended up kind of threading it in a more graceful way and then also, um, you know, it, certainly uh, there, there's actually, you know, plenty of subjects that we did not include in the final edit. There was even more lawyers, even more, um, you know, police and investigators from various departments. Um, but we kind of ended up slimming it down a little bit ultimately to kind of, uh, you know, keep a more consistent yep. presence on screen. Well, it was interesting. There's at one point, I think in the third episode, where you're kind of setting up a, a, an interesting dynamic between uh, Dick Carlson, who is a newscaster, who is... Yeah. Uh, you know, doing some investigative reporting at the time. And I mean, initially he's, he's really presented as kind of this sort of colloquial, I mean, he's a newscaster. Mm -hmm. He's kind of an, he's, he's got a warm personality kind of, and then yeah. you, you kind of find out later that nah, he's, he's kind of slimy, uh, doesn't have the greatest uh, views on LGBTQ people or trans people. Yeah. And you're kind of in, in, in sort of your, you're, you're going back and forth a bit between him. And then you've got the, uh, you've got the, uh, Liz's brother-in-law, uh, who's really kind of testifying, you know, this wasn't something, I mean, you, you get, you get, you hear this all the time and I'm sure people heard it way more, way more back then of the idea of like, you know, if you're a parent, you can't transition, you know, what about the children, all of that. And then yeah. it's like, you've got the Dick Carlson is like, Oh, think of how awful it must've been for these kids. And then you've got the brother-in-law mm -hmm. who has firsthand experience with, you know, with these children. It's like, no, these kids grew up in a loving home. And I think that kind of, the the perception the public conversation the the media narrative sometimes about uh trans people and then you've got you, you know you you don't when, whenever you meet somebody who's got a trans relative or something they understand that like look you know this this you know transition is a beneficial uh uh thing for basically everybody who, who uh, goes through it this is a positive thing and you come out a better person i think in practically pretty much every instance and definitely including liz as well yeah yeah, absolutely. And those, you know, antiquated kind of pejorative views of trans people persist and I think are actually like the center of, you know, the culture wars of today. So it's fascinating for me to see this kind of origin point of, of Dick Carlson and Liz Carmichael. 
um, and everything that follows. I don't want to give any spoilers, uh, but, you know, obviously the reverberations persist. And I think uh, that the differences in, um, you know, having an open heart and having trans and non-binary and gender expansive people in your life, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of astounding that these kind of conservative commentators and people on the right are, are able to, um, I guess, overlook their own communities and their own families. And, you know, trans and non-binary people will e exist no matter what. Like, no, no one can stop us from being born into the world. <laughs> you know, like, they can legislate against us, they can lock us up, they can, you know, eradicate our lives, um, but nothing will prevent us from coming into the world again. Yeah, I mean that's kind of that's kind of what I I try to lead with when I talk to people. Like you know, we're not we're not going in. We're, our country is not headed toward a direction where you know we're, bathroom laws are going to like stick around. It's kind of a lost cause. The UK is kind of a uh, way messier uh, element of that. One thing in the documentary that really stuck out. I mean, I've I've thought about it a lot since, and uh, it, it's it's even kind of surfaced. and watching uh, a lot of screeners uh, prepping for for Sundance and all of that, but yeah. um. When Liz is uh, on on trial, this is the I don't want to spoil, but uh, there's some historical details. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a note about a juror who's who's mentioning like was kind of on the you know we're talking the 70s. People don't necessarily the exposure to trans people, all of that, a uh, uh, lot lot more limited. But talking basically like oh. When Liz went to pee, the foot angle is one way, and like that's Isn't good that enough to me. Isn't that your worst Yeah, and it's like that's okay. Literally, I was literally when she was saying that I was like, "That is my worst." Liz, like every trans person, literally goes into the bathroom thinking, "Like I hope the person next to me isn't listening to my pee stream or like evaluating my." Yeah, totally. Sorry. I mean, who? What? What kind of? What? <laughs> What, what kind of person, trans, cis, or otherwise, wants to like like think that that their potential jail sentence is is hinging upon the angle of their foot? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's scary. It really is. Yeah. I mean, and one thing that was just surprising to me as well is just that many of the folks who we interviewed, their their views haven't changed. You know, their stories haven't changed. Like, the way that they see Liz today is not, you know, far apart from the way that they saw her 45 years ago. Um, we have a long way to go, I think, in, in kind of winning hearts and minds. Um, and Liz is, yeah, you know, she's a microcosm. Her story is a microcosm of so many stories. And not only... Um, forward in time but back back in, in time as well you know yeah, and I, I I also like how you highlight. Uh, there's a bit of a contrast between uh, Liz and then uh, Christine Jorgensen, who was really uh, for a lot of a lot of people in in that era the kind of the the first uh, you know uh, trans person, trans woman that they would have uh, in encountered. And there's like a st such a stark contrast of like, okay, here's this person who got like a really great red carpet rollout. The media uh, coverage was extremely positive, and that's all great. 
But then when you're dealing with somebody like Liz Carmichael, who is in trouble, and then you see like the way the media is like, well, actually, you know, you think you think it's fraud. Like, here's the real fraud. Like, uh, all all of this like heightened stuff, and it's like, you know, we this. I I feel like all of us are are kind of uh, having to force like uh, to li live in a world where like. You know, if you do something bad, then you're, you know, you're bad because you're trans or, or then like all of that is just kind of like, uh, you know, th there is no right or wrong way to transition and people are people. And that's kind of like an idea of you can't just uh, just because somebody does a bad thing doesn't mean that that's, you know, totally tied to their gender identity or all. And that's that's not an excuse to then go after them for that, like so many in the media did. Absolutely. I mean, Liz was was never going to you know, be kind of a part of the respectable class. I mean, I think that her story is like really a, a working class story, a story about, um, you know, resilience. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's sort of like, um, she's in many ways uh, an unexpected kind of heroine. In the community, you, but I think that her her resilience in and of itself is miraculous. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Did you get to see the car while you were filming the documentary, The Dale? It's, yeah. it's really it's a beautiful <laughs> car. Yeah, it, it is a beautiful car. There, uh, you know, the Peterson here in Los Angeles has one of them. There, I think, are three remaining prototypes of the car, and some of them were show cars. They were. You know, they did not have engines on them, which, you know, we get into in, in the episode. Um, and then there was a, a running prototype, um, which, yeah, they still exist. I mean, they're, you know, they're kind of relics. They're, they're shells of kind of what could have been. Um, but, I mean, you look at Elon Musk today, and literally Elon Musk is moving to Texas. Liz Carmichael in 1975 moved to Texas for the same reason. California had so many regulations in her development of the car. Um, I mean, talk about a parallel story. And Elon Musk, meanwhile, is now the richest person in the world. Um, also has a precarious company that um, un underperforms consistently. Um, you know, he's also like this bombastic kind yeah. of media presence. And, you know, you look at all of those things uh, or, you know, at, you know, the point that one of our subjects, Ron Abrams, makes at the end of the last episode that, you know, tobacco executives who claimed that cigarette smoking was not damaging to your health, uh, never spent a day in prison in their lives, despite millions of people dying. So, you know, you look at these kind of like comparable stories, these parallel stories, and you realize the thing that's different is that Liz was trans, that Liz, you know, uh, her existence was like a threat to patriarchy. Yeah. And that was, you know, ultimately the thing that, catalyzed her on doing yeah there's i mean the the strands of crony capitalism in america uh are, are pretty much follow us throughout uh going back to going back to the origins of the country and you gotta think about you know 
why does Wall Street, Big Tobacco, Big Auto, why, why, you know, why do they get bailouts or why do they get uh, let off the hook of clearly criminal activity? And somebody like Liz, Liz doesn't. And, you know, you did such a great job focusing on like the positive relationships in her life, especially, I mean, one of the figures that was really interesting to me was uh, Sam, Sam Schleisman. Yeah. Uh, He was kind of like a mentor to her who followed her along with this. Uh, You know, they'd worked at a different company and then came over to that. And that to me was like, you know, you think about, you know, Liz going through, you know, having all this courage and all of that. And, you know, she did manage to have like a pretty good support system around her, I guess. I mean, you you would know that better than I. And some of the subjects knew that she was trans. It wasn't a secret to them when they started working with her. Um, you know, it was probably also something that they didn't talk to her about or ask her about, but certainly when I was a child in the 1980s, you know, there was a trans person who worked at the local vintage store and I knew she was trans. I never asked her about it. I never talked to her about it. Like that was the old way was kind of like you would see and notice a trans person, but you know, you wouldn't necessarily you know, ask them yeah. directly if they were trans. So, you know, uh, yeah, Liz had a whole community of people and everybody across the board, even Jerry Banks, the guy who, you know, works for the Dallas uh, district attorney and, you know, is uh, trans, you know, sitting next to her, she's taken on the plane in handcuffs. Um, you know, he just thought she was, he was totally smitten with her in those hours that he spent with her. So, you know, I think that she had a transformative effect on people. And uh, that kind of confidence is contagious. Yeah, I, and you do such a, such a, such a great job uh, capturing all of that. And it's really, it's, the story is so fascinating. And it's uh, it, it just, just there. And it's also just so structured well, too. You know, you have the early biography and then it goes straight into the car stuff. And it's not, you know, the it, it's kind of one of those documentary. Yeah, this is about a trans woman, but it's also about somebody who makes cars. And that's, yeah. uh, you know, those those narratives are, are equally important and they're vital. And also just as, as somebody who's covered TV since I think around like 2005, 2006, I would note that um, this documentary is coming out on uh, January 31st on a Sunday at nine, which is like HBO's absolute uh, prime time slot. I know with streaming, people don't really care about uh, time slots as much, but <laughs> it, it's a, it's a big I've deal. Heard, that's, yeah. It's a really good time slot. It is. Yeah. The HBO Sunday night is like, the, I've heard, I've read in the New York times recently that it was like the last important real estate. And <laughs> like, so I, it's an honor. Honestly, it's been a tremendous honor to be a part of this and to be a, a conduit for Liz, I think to, rectify justice and to have her story told in a respectful way you know it was an abomination the way that she was treated in the press and um it's my sincerest hope that moving ahead um will be treated differently well i you know and and, i mean that's something that uh throughout your career you've uh done a lot of work advocating for uh creating creating a better space for trans people i mean it's so important like uh, you, you know, when when you cover when you cover film and TV, there's a lot that's like just you know there for entertainment, and then uh, you know with with your work, you're you're 
with trans people, especially in parts of the country where they can't see themselves uh, necessarily in their communities for safety or all sorts of reasons, being able to see somebody who looks like them on the screen is so important. And you did such a great job with that. Thank you so much, Ian. This has really been such a gift, honestly. it's been, uh, you know, it's been, it's been great, great, great for me too. I've been, uh, it's been such a pleasure to have you on. I can't wait to meet you in person on yeah, the other side not... of all this <laughs> yeah. when we're able to exist uh, yeah. in physical space together. <laughs> and, you know, uh, this, this episode will air uh, a couple weeks uh, closer to the, um, closer to the release of the film, but uh, I would be remiss if I didn't note that this is the first full day of the Biden administration. We survived Trump. Uh, we are- <laughs> future futures futures looking great <laughs> so relieved waking up this morning i was just it, yeah i mean i know that, that it's a bumpy road ahead that there will be you know big obstacles given kind of <laughs> divided electorate but um, yes. certainly a moment to be grateful and to feel embraced by a new dawn well, uh, one 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 day at a time, and you know we've survived this. And uh, Zachary, this is uh, it's been such a pleasure. Lady in the Dale comes out January thirty first. There's two episodes, and then uh, I gather the other two will be uh, well, February seventh uh, and Valentine's Day. Yes. Awesome! I big you know anyone anyone who likes the uh, uh, true crime documentaries. Uh, we feature a lot of documentaries here. Uh, this one, I I was really I was very glued to it. I I I loved it so. Uh, excellent work it's been great having you thank you for the positive review it means the world to me and uh to everybody listening thank you so much and we will see you next time (laughs) bye